Am I the only one who really noticed that we didn't make any alien invasion movies during the Trump presidency? I guess we didn't want to inspire him to actually use the Space Force for anything. Probably for the best. 90 for Chill, the podcast, proudly presents to you Ali's Accessories Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. That is Mr. Riggs. He's a tight-ass name, a compulsive control freak. On a routine business trip. So who are the private investors? They prefer to be anonymous. Martin Riggs became an international incident. Quicksand from 2003, I believe is the official release date. You can see that it was filmed in 2001, so some continuity errors, perhaps. I don't know. It doesn't really make much difference. It's about Michael Keaton as a chief uh, financial auditor for a bank who picks up on a some weird transactions in uh, Nice, France. They're centered around a movie studio, which seems to have nothing but anonymous investors. So obviously, something's up, and it isn't long before he's set up for an assassination of the corruption police chief by Russians, and he's making a run for it with the CFO of the company, and eventually, the only actor who's of any fame employed by the studio is portrayed by Michael Caine as an old action star who's really just concerned about getting money. It's an interesting premise. It's not bad, really. I mean, quality's a little low, but what did you expect from Artisan Pictures in the early knots? The acting is good. It's just that when you're off to France to go and uh, fight Russians, you better have a particular set of skills and Michael Keaton isn't Batman. It's just coming up with ways to expand on them running from the mobsters or trying to trap them and such so typical cat and mouse fare pretty forgettable i guess is what it comes down to i'm not saying as again not bad but and pretty brief which is good because nothing happens pretty much for all 90 minutes except ooh, that may have been a clever twist so just nothing really delivering on the satisfaction little hand says it's time to rock and roll Bring the noise. Hello, and welcome back to 90 for Chill, the podcast. I am your host, Cool Movies Darth, is the handle that I'm trying to get over. That's CM Darth on Letterboxd. And once I get too many tweets at my account, CatBusRuss, I'll probably go and move on to at CM Darth. But that's for another day. Today, you can just call me Russ Stevens. Everybody else seems to do that, unless you're from Springfield, Davenport wrestling scene. But long story. I'm not quite ready for the art of wrestling, but hey, Colt Cabana's The Wrestling Road Diaries 3 is under 90 minutes, so who knows? Maybe I can work something out there. But this week, I bring back the poetic critic that's the poetic critic from Letterboxd, my big sister, Central Illinois' wisest mind in terms of cinema. She might come off a little pretentious, I guess, to some of the film Twitter folk, because we're going to talk a bit about how Disney and, to a lesser extent, HBO, Max, Warner Brothers, what have you, are kind of brainwashing us to only accept one kind of movie and how Martin Scorsese is the person we should listen to and guide us back to a new renaissance. I say if Quentin Tarantino had another five movies in him, we wouldn't really have to worry about Scorsese being the lead, but 
you know, we're waiting on number 10 from them. So get a little paranoid, folks. We also talk about a lot of riff tracks related stuff. We watched was called The Excellence of Courtesy. Sorry if I didn't nail that egg pun very well. I tried to make a egg shit, the egg salad joke to kind of do another salad related title when it comes to my big sis, but eggs don't poop. But we do talk about poop being censored in children's shows. And she likes to mention a lot of Criterion stuff on this pod. So that's where we're going to go. And hopefully by the end of this, we're going to start revolting against the House of Mouse or try to come up with another duck mascot. I mean, Warner has Daffy. Disney has Donald. Maybe that's the key to cinematic power. Before we go, let me just... Again, pitch it out to you. One, if you got some music you want to feed us for, say, introductions and such, every good pod has a good song, let me know. You can send me an email at rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-07 at gmail.com. Or on Twitter, you can direct message me at catbusrus. That's at C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S-S. I want to hear from you. Besides for the five-star reviews on Amazon or Apple Podcasts, what have you, I need guests. I need material. And I know there's a lot of great minds out there like Jessica Quaz, J.D. Grieving, my buddy Joe Golwitzer, Kodiak Thompson. I'm surprised I've gotten a murderous row of uh, content in just you know six months of doing this. Okay, seven, but I dig. If you got a movie, you got a theme, you got a director or an actor, and you want to talk about movies that are under 100 minutes, I'll be happy to talk to you. Again, just get a hold of me at rustthebus07 at gmail.com or at catbusrust on Twitter, and I'll be glad to talk to you and negotiate a way to find some cinematic gold. And again, I wouldn't mind hearing about movies that run a little long, like James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. And how we can cut them down to that ideal time frame of 74 to 99 minutes. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the Poetic Critic this week. Let me know how I can make this better. And I hope to be in your earballs next week. Thanks. Excelsior! Hey, that's called character branding, true believers. I invented it. <laughs> um, is that really? I said I invented it. All right, so after Rory went and ran through all the Super Bowl halftime shows since 1993, I think we're at a good spot to just BS about movies and movie-related stuff. This, of course, is CM Darth, Cool Movies Darth on Letterboxd. Well, I'm sorry, Cool Movies Darth, CM Darth on Letterboxd. You know, I get a... CM is probably going to be obsolete in about a week when that uh, Phil Brooks comes back to wrestling, so... Uh, appreciate it while I can. Sorry for the long-winded nature of that introduction of myself, but I am with the Poetic Critic. That's the Poetic Critic on Letterboxd. And you know what? It's really just more of a test of my new studio setup, and looks like I've spent too much money on it. Just saying uh, you can pick Rory up pretty well on both mics. But hey, as I say, it's a test. And uh, what I brought up to her today uh, was more or less just something of, out of research. Um, I was just trying to get guests. When you start talking to them, you start trying to find movies that they're going to get behind. It's like, oh, well, Coraline's one of my favorite movies. All right, it's a little long, but, you know, we picked some of those other movies from... What's the name of that studio again? Laika. I think pick that's up. pronunciation. Okay. You know, it's for the, the dog that went into space. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I think it is... Used to be the uh, Will Vinton's company. Okay, but Paranorman... Um, Kubo and Two, two, two strings. strings. Yeah, so... Yeah, so Coraline keeps being brought up. And honestly, I've probably seen Coraline hanging out with uh, my best friend Stephanie when she was raising her kid, Mietz, 2009. So she would have been three or so. So it was on all the time. I just never paid attention to it, which is sad because Keith David deserves all your attention. I'm telling you to go to Peacock and watch the Monday Night Wars documentary series on WWE just so you can hear his smooth tones whitewash 
I, I, can't, I guess you can't really say whitewash, but it's Vince McMahon's idea of the past, so I guess that is pretty much whitewashing. Um, but she did inform me that uh, Shout Factory's got quite the lineup coming up soon, because I can't find Coraline anywhere, not even used. Like, I figured every parent bought their kid Coraline. And, I mean, I own a lot of movies, but there are some good movies where it's like, yeah, I don't think I'll get around to watching this again. It's like Road Trip. Like, I know everybody bought the DVD for Road Trip back in the day. Why can't I find it? It's not that much of a classic. It's a Todd Phillips movie. Obviously, it's not that much of a classic. But I digress. Um, but you've been entertaining yourself with the Criterion Collection, correct? Uh, Criterion Channel, to oh, be yes. specific. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is lots of overlap between the streamer and the physical titles, right. but lately I have been focused more on the stuff that's unique to the channel at the moment. Well, I did buy a couple of discs uh, last time I was at Barnes & Noble. They did have a half-off sale. I thought they usually say for Black Friday, I but... Think they, no, they did the half-off sale a few times a year. Okay. So I ended up picking up uh, Broadcast News and uh, Cold Water. Uh, Screen Drafts really sold me on the, uh, Olivier Asias film, Monography. Mm -hmm. And I've only really seen Demon Lover. Again, another movie all my cool friends own. And in the case of my friend Stephanie, there were probably two copies between her and her, um, Miet's father. And I can't find one anywhere for Demon Lover. You know, I think they're saying that maybe Criterion will do that one. But I don't know. Well, they, I think they just did Irma Vap. Okay, so they're getting there. It's like um, Jim Jeremish. Does he deserve... All his movies deserve to be in the Criterion Collection? Probably not. Will they end up there? Most definitely. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of uh, Ghost Dog, and it's like, well, this definitely isn't down by law by any stretch of the imagination. And what's the one, Night Around the World, or... <coughs> Night on Earth. Night on Earth. <coughs> which, it, it, it just runs long. Which, again, it's Jim Jeremish. Well, it's an anthology film. Right. And, I mean, I love seeing uh, Roberto Benigni kill a cardinal just by talking too much as a cab driver. Um, I mean, they're all, they're all great sketches, honestly. I mean stories right so have you seen mystery train yet no i have not well that's along those lines okay yeah it has a bunch of the jarmusch regulars in it yeah i mean that's that's really all you should be trying to do as an actor is to somehow end up being a jim jeremesh regular i mean i don't know if bill murray's really done any good jim jeremesh movies i haven't heard that many positive people about Broken Flowers, I guess, outside the critical circles. And we know that uh, The Dead Don't Die was kind of considered bloated. Um, coffee and cigarettes, though, always gets pretty high praise. And um, so, what, what is, so what's been really big on Criterion Channel, then? Well, the uh, last month they introduced the Art House Animation Collection. I'm about a little over halfway through that lineup, although I had seen some of these films before they were grouped together like this. Mm -hmm. But also they've been adding a lot of more kid-appropriate animation to the Saturday Matinee's curated series, too. And a lot of these films are in the 90 for Chill parameters, not a little shorter. So they were doing, they're not really on a tear doing those films. They basically have access to the GK Kids, the G Kids library that isn't Studio Ghibli. Right, all that's on HBO Max. They've been adding a lot of those titles. I think, speaking of Ghibli, though, I did finally complete the collection, I guess I could say. Well, the Ghibli collection of Miyazaki with right. the, the Wind Rises, which I have seen. And now the problem is, I have to watch The Wind Rises again. It's a good movie, but depressing? <laughs> oh, yes. Just like, 
it was that his farewell to Takahata? Like, well, he's not around to make all this <laughs> to really drive the cartoons into slitting your wrists. I better take a shot at it. But otherwise, the past few weeks have kind of been slowing down in my pace. So I've had a really good pace going this year, and I've seen some shorter movies that might qualify, such as the original Scarface from 1932, which mm. is very well worth a look. Um, How's his Cuban accent? It's not Cuban. This, it's, Sorry, I just need to wear, use the rim shot button on this P4 <laughs> Zoom at some point. Okay. In the original Chicago, it's... Yes, I know. It's, 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 it's supposed to be Alphonse Capone, or at yeah. least an allegory, effigy, what have you. Right. But yeah. that's worth, well worth a look, and it is interesting to see how the basics of the plot are pretty much duplicated in the De Palma version. Hmm. But... In somewhat in different ways because it's a much shorter film. It fits the ninety for chill parameters. Well, again, I kind of uh, with the effect exception of Danny Kaye trying to be inspirational. Most of the films back then, unless okay, then oh, shoot, I gotta bring in DeMille. Yeah, you know, I guess when you have newsreels and shorts and everything like that. You really didn't want to press two hours too much. No, not not very often. Mm -hmm. So that's what we need, Hollywood. Newsreels and cartoons again. I don't think that's going to go. Well, we need something to bring people back into the theaters. Uh, as I say, $28 million for Suicide Squad. I'm just not, not building that confidence. Um, I think... Class Action Park on HBO Max fits in 90 for chill. Oh, no, there's a lot of documentaries, actually. I was yeah. at uh, All-American Wrestling, or I guess it's not, AAW doesn't mean anything anymore. Like, WWE doesn't actually mean World Wrestling Entertainment. Danny Daniels, my trainer, always trying to be cutting edge, which is why it's the best show in Chicago. But I ran into Colt Cabana and uh, bought some merch, and it was uh, Wrestling Road Diaries 3, so I have the complete trilogy. And that one, Funny Equals Money, where he's traveling around with a bunch of comedic wrestlers. Mm -hmm. um, that one fits under 90, the fits into my parameters. And I think it took uh, Colt a while to learn how to do that, because the first Wrestling Road, Road Diaries is nearly three hours long, and then he gets to about two in the second one, so... I mean, he's the most versatile wrestler, king of wrestling podcasts, so I definitely got to give that a look and maybe try to weasel him onto the, this pod. I mean, he doesn't really have any love for CM Punk. I mean, put over another CM, man. Um, um, it's weird that HBO, though, seems to be getting into this groove of documentaries about how the youthful nostalgia often comes at the price of human sacrifices between this leaving Neverland and Woodstock 99 Peace, Love, and Rage. Oh, we're not, we're not going to bring in uh, Alan V. Farrow? I guess you could bring that in too, but I'm thinking more of the happy, fun, youthful 80s sort of okay, attitude. Okay, alright, yeah. Because that's a big thing in Class Action Park is that for it does make a big point about for a lot of teenagers, Action Park was the most awesome place in the world, and so hearing some of these stories in hindsight it can be hilarious, such as the story about the bumper tanks ride that where you shot tennis balls at the other person's tank. And that is now a World Wrestling Entertainment prop on SmackDown. Um, <laughs> Do they light the... But did they... Anybody manage to light the balls on fire is the question. No, 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 no. Fire and, <laughs> and bloodshed, that's AEW's thing. Um, but so. at the same time, it points out that a lot of people died at Action Point <laughs> for reasons that pretty much boiled down to an absolute unwillingness to care about what happened to people there in the name of having fun and in the name of being cheap and making money. Because it's clear, the, these, the guys who ran the place had, 
had high connections that allowed them to run the park as long as they did, even as it was straining the town's emergency services. They they bought a fleet of ambulances <laughs> for the town because insurance. that's how bad it. Well, not well, not given to how they got around the insurance thing. Oh uh, well, this was it was rotten, corrupt. It kind of makes after watching suicides, this Suicide Squad. It's kind of like. And James Gunn didn't get, didn't direct the the uh, adaptation. Um, what was that action? Action the, point, which at, is the yeah. one John Knoxville did. Right. I guess that would be more Spike Jones frame. Either way, they would get the graphicness down. So, so was uh, Suicide the Suicide Squad the third? Oh well. I guess it'd probably be like the fourth DC movie you've probably seen. Good mm-hmm. note. You've seen Shazam, right? No, I haven't got to Shazam. Okay. Oh. The only one ones I've seen besides the Suicide Squad without a riff tracks uh, are Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Okay. So I've kind of come in late on this. I feel like I haven't missed much by no, not no. really paying attention to the earlier installments. I, I, no, I, I think the Snyderverse by that point's been pretty much uh, flushed away, so I think you're fine. I did not appreciate, but again, justice for Boomer, man. I mean, uh, Second Chance Movies uh, podcast I listened to uh, with uh, former guest of the podcast, Jessica Quaz, uh, did not warrant... Uh, Suicide Squad a second chance. I think some of the characters are so worthwhile that you gotta at least get some exposure to them. So I'd say give Suicide Squad a second chance. Um, And then they go, but, as I told Rory, they decide to just go and basically say, screw the first movie, despite the continuity is there, and just wipe out anything that you may have loved about it. Not going to give up any more spoilers. I'm just going to say justice for Boomer. No unicorn? No no energy drinks? Just... So, let me go through my notes. I've been chatting, trying to prep this up. So... But it's been fun. Rory's definitely uh, pays more attention to film Twitter than I do. I just... You know, with my Twitter, I do my best not to be one of those people to follow 300 things. I just want to, you know, those who follow me, I want to, if I think they're cool, follow them. And just a little community feel like that versus the, and uh, basically all the trolls I find whenever I'm looking at AOC or um, Representative Omar's Twitter uh, Twitter tweets, that's what they're called, that come up in my timeline. So, it is fun to know that the trolls now recognize me. But, I will say that is something that I needed. Wreck it, Ralph. Um, sorry, Ralph breaks the internet to remind me of. Never look at the comment section. But, uh, with Rory, um, film Twitter is pretty much nothing but a comment section, correct? More or less. I mean, there are some very friendly people there, and it's fun where we go into sunshiny recommendations or bring up old, old ephemera and photos or promotional material. Like, people like Nitrate Diva or Movies Silently have very charming Twitter feeds on older movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, you did recently discover the uh, somebody posted an article of Martin Scorsese um, recognizing one of the two saint, pa- uh, patron saints of 90 for Chill and David Cronenberg. Yeah, it was an article, uh, an appreciation he wrote for Fangoria not long after Videodrome came out. Mm-hmm. Where would you rank Videodrome up there? I, I mean, I know you're probably fly number one. Uh, yes, the, the Fly is my favorite. I do think Videodrome is a top ten title, at least. But I'm not sure about ranking all the others. Yeah, I still gotta get around to Dead Ringers, and 
I don't know, as I say, the brood is just way too scary what I've seen. Which is a good thing, but... Man, I don't need, uh... The brood is pretty punishing. Yeah, I... Like, give me machine gun Santa Claus in a mall. <laughs> not, not, uh... Hate children. <laughs> and... But... I don't know, you, you make it sound like the Scorsese um, Marvel Universe thing is a bigger... It keeps getting brought up again. The most recent flare-up was when James Gunn made some disparaging comments okay. during the this run-up of promotion for the Suicide Squad. And it's just that all these people are basically just standing up for their corporate masters. Well... Y- Look, uh, well, with James Gunn, half the stuff you have, I think you have to take with a grain of salt. I mean, I didn't think he should have got canceled for an AIDS joke. Um, I mean, for me, as long as it's not genuinely hateful, if the structure is there with the joke, I can appreciate it and I'll let it slide. But, um, I mean... You say they're bowing down to their corporate masters. It's like it's it's probably good to remind people that uh, James Gunn. Does, I mean, can get uh, pretty twisted. So. But it's that so many of the people who are speaking up on behalf of the MCU, and it is mostly specific to the MCU are basically just being giant shells for Disney and the way Disney does things right now. And we we didn't really have that kind of loyalty before to a corporation as opposed to the creatives. These people aren't standing up so much for the individual directors of these films or much less the writers or other creatives as the Disney content-paced machine. I don't know who came up with that fit that phrase but my friend Jessica Ritchie likes to use it and I think that's very accurate <laughs> well I just find it very weird um, having a uh, I would say conservative mother who's not approving of Disney at least saying um, things politically which you know I haven't brought up what about the Koch brothers and Dixie Cups um that they can go, that they're... I just find, I, I just can't help but see the irony that we have a company that's doing their best to be open to the world. That's part of it. They're only... My friends like Jessica and many others have pointed this out many times. Disney will only go so far because they want to be open to the world that means they're also kowtowing to more conservative governments, not only in this country, but to appeal to markets like China in particular. They have their, their representation is only, they're only throwing out crumbs. It's become a running gag that they finally have their first gay character in X movie. It has become a painful running gag over the last few years. Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to point out the fact, though, that you still have... Okay, so... Chinese, China, I don't know if you call them conservative country. I mean, they're communists. That's the ultimate left. Um, no, the ultimate left is anarchy. Um, but they still do way too much liberal stuff for the take for the likes of American conservatives who watch Fox News, OAN, and Newsmax. But that's a very low bar to clear, and I would like to state that the views and opinions that my brother expresses on this podcast are not ones I necessarily share, if I share them at all. Oh, no. But... No, I, I, I did, never said they were yours. I'm just just saying that... Um, well, I've already pointed out to the person, and uh, she was never at my professional wrestling matches, so... Um, but Disney is only doing the barest minimum of trying to get representation in. They're not willing to go full bore on it. Well, and if they... that's, that's, that's the responsibility of uh, Scorsese, I guess. 
I don't know. And this is what goes into one of the fundamental misunderstandings of the whole Scorsese discourse, is that Scorsese doesn't mind the existence of the MCU films. They don't really appeal to him. That's okay. Mm. It's the issue that it is getting harder and harder for other films to get any leeway in theatrical releases or even streaming now because Disney and other companies, but especially Disney, are rigging the game so it's mostly their productions that are getting exposure. This is what he was really worried about. It's that older films and foreign films, I mean, he has the World Cinema Project he works on with Criterion Collection. Well, never mind, never mind. Preservation the, efforts are the, getting lost in the shuffle. Okay, and as you and you're just stating that, you know, that includes all of our independent films just stateside really like i that's the biggest fear of the mcu is that it's just going to that's going to be the standard for movies and anything else is just nobody's going to take seriously right or even have an opportunity to know about it's less and less encouraging mm. of curiosity and it's in favor of the company and one of the problems is we had with Disney is that whereas before, especially in the 1980s and early 90s, they were willing to allow their corporate umbrella to encompass stuff like R-rated movies with the Touchstone subsidiary label, or they were one of the first studios to start swallowing up the big indie distributors like Miramax Mm -hmm. because they wanted the prestige that you got from that. Now they don't really care about that anymore, and just about milking stuff from stuff from these PG thirteen movies, most of them anyway. The exceptions no, are their animated features, right. and it's very limiting in terms of what's going to be produced. So Disney has, in a sense, just recreated the Hayes era. Uh, not necessarily. It is kind of a warped version of the Hayes Code era. I've heard it, comparisons made of what the current studio system is becoming, and it's not just Disney. No, you it's see not. this with Warner Brothers, Universal, and Paramount as well. But also, the old studio system where everybody's kind of stuck at one studio under a contract because they have to keep coming back to do franchise installment X.2. Or A point three or what have you, and a lot of these creatives, even the ones who are being are recognized, they're not using their clout to do other projects very often, and the ones they do often are underseen or not even regarded as very good to start with. I mean, no one went to see the Russo brothers as charity, which they did over you know at Apple. Oh yeah, no fear. Right, but, well, and the reviews were very poor. Yeah, well, I mean, I haven't even really given Apple a chance, and I do need to catch up with Ted Lasso before my uh, Verizon promo period runs up. But yeah, I mean, there was a time. I, when, well, but I, I guess what I'm saying there is Apple is still trying to establish themselves as a studio. But that's half. The, but another element of the problem is there are so many more walls going up around having to get all these different streaming services to see much of anything. And it, between that and the issues with theatrical distribution, we are risking coming into the a return to the era when the studios owned movie theater chains. Before that was struck down in the courts in 1948. I think that was the year. Okay, so we need to staff the Supreme Court so we can avoid this situation again. I'm just saying 6-3. So, so otherwise, you know, it's almost to the point, though, where it's like, it's good to have San Fernando Valley and the films they're producing, just so we know there's some unwholesome things out there. And, of course, we are in a system that's currently in flux. Because we're still in the middle of a pandemic, we are still dealing with movies not really being able to get much of a toehold, especially 
And a lot of these movies were very expensive, and they seemed to be coming out on top of each other, even more than they were back when things were more fruitful, I suppose you could say. And, I mean, we just had Jungle Cruise movie that we've all already forgotten about, and that had as big a platform as you could launch on with Disney+. And, you know, in a few weeks, we have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which I don't know anybody who's excited about that one. Well, I, I mean to go and see it, but that's basically because we need, the MCU needs this movie. How do they need this movie? Well, though? okay, I guess you're, you can go and say this. Coming back to um, the false sense of liber, liberalism. Um, I'm just saying, we need a movie. Well, one, we've ran with Infinity War, the Infinity Wars, and my knowledge of Civil War. In the comic book wise, it's like everybody else is kind of secondary characters now from the MCU. So, first off, we gotta make sure they have a new base, and uh, second off, it is about uh, I think presentation that we are giving on a minority a chance to really become something major in this franchise. I like I, I was saying I, I don't like the title of Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. And the Legend of the, the Ten, Ten Rings. Rings. Thank you. Um, just because it doesn't like it's not very simple. Like uh Black Panther, we knew what we were getting with that one. And then, um, like, my dad jokes, so you wanted, you want Yellow Tiger? That's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Shang-Chi is fine. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, two, twofold. We need to bring new characters into it, unless you want to get the Defenders from Netflix. Um, and a lot of people weren't, weren't happy with Iron Fist, which, Danny Rand is a white guy, okay? That wasn't a whitewashing situation. Um, putting, he was basically Matt Damon mm -hmm. in Great Wall. You're, you're, you're white hero. And, and I think we're past that now, hopefully. But, you know, we have Shang-Chi coming up next, and not two months later is the Eternals movie, which... Which we have to see for Jack, Kumar, not Johnny. I mean... That's a selling point, right? There. And and that goes into another problem. What few people we are getting out of the independent scene who are getting any traction inevitably are getting subsumed by Disney. No, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, uh, some of the film Twitterers I follow, like Bill Smiley as well as Jessica, pointed out that's not good either. Like no. Chloe Zhao doing Eternals, and it doesn't look like a very interesting movie. Okay, well, that, that's just... I mean, all the movies are flattened out to have the same washed-out gray look. They never try to rep... They never try to go for the colorful beauty of these their inspirations, even as Black they're getting Panther. into these more... That That's an exception a lot of people like. Okay. But then you get... Oh, I don't know who said it, but, oh, boy, look at all these this colorful Jack Kirby artwork, and then the movie gives us, I hope you like the color gray. <laughs> you see, I, I don't know. I think your your DC EU is kind of blending into your MCU. Like, uh, it's Shazam. That is definitely, um, that ended up definitely being, oh, yes, this should be bright and colorful. And then, uh, no, this has Mark Strong in it, meaning it's got to be gray. Um, I recommend Shazam. I, I thought it's a good little comedy. I think they could have gone a little more gremlin element with it with some of the violence you do get to see in that feature. Like, uh, but I don't know. I have not followed up on Joe Dante since uh, Second Mom, Mom suggested watching Second Civil War and. Uh, so I haven't watched his uh, Master of Horror, but for your uh, loyal listeners, I did pick up Don, um, Stuart Gordon's Master of Horror episodes. I'll get around to that at some point. 
So, and then you have, I mean, it's not a very interesting lineup for the remainder of 2021, because I was looking the other day, thinking, yeah, I, yeah, depending I, on how the, how this next current wave of Delta crests and all, maybe I'll finally get back to movie theaters at some point. But for the rest of the year, there's just not a lot out there coming down the pipe. There, we are, they are finally getting around to the West Side Story remake helmed by Spielberg, mm-hmm. which could be very good. Well, if it's anything like, if you wait for, like, the last weekend of a movie, like I tend to, oops, okay, let me check to see the showtime, so there's Spiral this week, and there's two shows. Okay, that means I better get out But there. if you and wait... You, what, I'm just saying, then you don't have anybody in the movie theater with you, and you feel safe from all that Delta bombs. But by then, all the discourse we get around Twitter that's so toxic now, or even in other film journalism venues. Drew McQueenie has written a lot about this in his uh, newsletter on Substack, mm. formerly Dangerous. Yes. It is such a broken system, and it ruined... Waiting to see a movie kind of ruin ruins it because everybody's been ter- torn into bits by that point. And that's why I And just... I can't feel I can make a... Get, that baggage out of my head when I sit down to watch it. This is one reason why I don't really keep up with new releases anymore most of the time. Well, I guess my... uh... I usually don't have a chance to see it before the backlash begins. Well, I guess my defense there is that um, of seeing a movie late is comes from the fact I don't follow... I don't really follow film Twitter. I just use it to promote myself. And then I just... You know, follow follow my my friends, my online, you know, online, just that little community, that little click. Um, I don't know. I I am a uh, so, and I'm the irony when it comes to the internet. I'm the web professional, and I um, frankly don't. Uh, particularly care for what the internet does. It was an outlet for me to make a website and everything from there is uh, kind of secondary, I guess. It's it's my creative output. Same thing with this podcast. And thank you very much for listening. Remember to rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And, you know, if you want to give me crap, do that at CatBusRuss. Otherwise, help the podcast out with those positive reviews. Thank you. But ne- but the next few months, I'm I'm looking at Wikipedia and this list of films of 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, in the next few weeks, we have the Shang Chi movie, and mm-hmm. then the looking at what's coming down the line. There's Cry Macho. I think is the next HBO Max uh, simultaneous release. Mm-hmm. Um, the Venom sequel. Okay, well, the film version of Dear Evan Hansen. Well, I'm I'm definitely there for uh the Venom sequel. I mean that is just the first Venom was just such great trash. I mean that is that is a Oscar the Grouch level of trash. You can't help but love it, but you know it's trash. And in October, that's when Last Night in Soho comes out. You were asking about that. Thank you. But otherwise, you know, we have Hotel Transylvania and Adam's Family sequels. Well, uh, I've only watched the first Hot Hotel ones. Transylvania, and I, I can say that was a pretty good one uh, for a kid's movie. The, the Dune half adaptation. So it's only half of Dune? Dune? Yes. Okay, that's good. Not really. What if it doesn't do well enough to film the second half? Why did we give this director another chance at a movie that's definitely probably not going to make money? I mean, he, we, I, Blade Runner 2049 got all the Oscar buzz and such and pretty much declared this guy as one of the finer directors. I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give him this platform if they didn't expect him to, uh, give you something that's going to create a lot of buzz and warrant a sequel, regardless if it's a financial success. So, yeah, on that end, I don't know what HBO is, Warner Brothers is thinking, but 
Uh, in November, there's Eternals, the Ghostbusters sequel that Which I'm not a lot for. of people want. Oh, I've heard the... Uh, well, again, I'm not doing film Twitter. I've heard the opposite. Like, the moment we get to see little Stay Puft Marshmallow Man doing Gremlins-type stuff to each other... But how's that supposed to work? As Drew McWeeny pointed out, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is a form of Gozer. Yes, and that tra in the trailer you get to see Paul Rudd trying to out outrun one of the dogs. Like this is this is this explains a bit, but this is this is this is the sequel, the original, the kids who got warped by watching a movie that should have definitely been PG thirteen in nineteen eighty four. Well, that's the thing. We're not making movies. For a general audience anymore, we're only making movies for people who buy the merchandise. And yeah, that's not yeah. a healthy attitude. Okay, you start knitting up your. Um, well, I'm. Well, that's. I okay. You win the argument because I said, all right. Well, you start knitting up your latest Woody Allen toys because that's the only indie <laughs> person. And like, oh yeah, he ain't gonna be doing shit for a while, which is sad. I mean. But, the guy is a great autobiographical director. I really like to, like to see what he could translate the recent Me Too bollocks. I don't mean that as bollocks. I mean, I don't... Woody Allen's a tough subject for me just because I think I have a... I fear that I have a bias because I am such an admirer of his work. That... Because I had this argue, ar, uh, argument with the uh, um, a co-worker about how leaving Netherland is pretty much going to be the definitive word on him. Why are we still selling his merchandise and shit? Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, no, 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 that was a money grab. And it's like, okay, that could be your own bias, trying to protect yourself from realizing that you are... Like, Michael Jackson, if you get brought to court, criminal court once, that means you may not have done anything wrong, but don't do anything that'll possibly... Why are you back in court, Michael? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Woody Allen, I know that, honestly, this was all litigated back in the early 90s during the divorce and all that. So I got my own bias issues, which I kind of fear might muddle, muddle that. But but again, most of, a lot of the movies coming out the last two months of the year, like Top Gun, Maverick, uh, more... Kingsman and Sing movies. Yeah, not not well. The there's another Resident Evil. I need that reboot, thank you. And Spider Man No Way Home is one big Christmas releases. That's this year. Yeah. Well, um, there's a remember there was a huge backlog of movies. Yeah, but I, I, but that was nineteen ninety. I mean, the last the first, the last Spider Man was twenty nineteen. I didn't know they immediately went to work on No Way Home. Yeah. Because especially when we keep still hearing, oh, guess who's coming back from the Raimi series for this one? Okay, well. And there's still a lot of traditional Oscar bait on the way. Right. Way, like there's House of Gucci from Ridley Scott. Mm. Well, that's another one that so far hasn't had a lot of positive buzz from what we've seen released of it. I, I'm sorry, can we refer to, this, this is Adam Driver, correct? Um, yeah, but also Jared Leto. Oh, okay, but, but, I don't know what to think of Jared Leto. I, I mean, the guy has talent. Rarely seen, but it's, it's there. Um, but, uh, I will refer to John Oliver when it comes to any buzz regarding Adam Driver movies, if you're familiar with that relationship. And there's another Disney animated musical, Encanto. Okay, it, did I, maybe, maybe I saw a trailer for it or something. This is the one about the family, the magical family and the magical house in Colombia. But of course our poor heroine is the only one without magic, which means that there are only two ways the movie can end. <laughs> Either she's special because she doesn't have magic or she's actually magical. So, do we want to start taking bets on that? What's the over-under on that? I don't know. 
Like, um... But I'm tired of how all the Disney in-house movies lately, or most of them, if they're not sequels, they're just doing all the hack YA fantasy plot and middle grade novel fantasy plots. Look, I'd rather we just... I don't know. I'm not... Because of those plots, I really... If Disney can keep... I don't know. Maybe Disney can be the keepers of this so I don't have to worry about see, hearing about stuff before and people getting all hip and such about their YA that's going to be adapted soon. Like, no, it's YA. It sucks. <laughs> Just, you know, maybe if we can... If Disney can control the twi the next Twilight, I, I think I'd feel better. You have very low standards. <laughs> okay. I recommended Tromeo and Juliet on the last episode of 90 for There Podcast, are a lot of people so. who are still sad about the fact that Disney shut down Blue Sky Animation Studios and canceled the Nimona adaptation, which was well into production. There's literally an unfinished adaptation of Nimona out there that a lot of people would have wanted to see. Maybe it would have only been a cult thing, but that wasn't really fair to the creatives. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know what to really think uh, in the end when it comes to the uh, Disney merger. I'd rather Disney have all these properties than News Corp. I mean... The devil that squeaks is better than the devil that uh, sexually harasses. I guess is what I'm getting at there. Hmm. Or, or, or I guess I'd rather my devil be a mouse than a dirty, fat rat. <laughs> if, uh... I'm sorry this is turning into something of a downer episode. I well, and I, I, no, 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 and I had, I, I had my notes taken from today, and, uh, what is that series, like, I don't know, I, I'm still disturbed by the retarded egg we, uh, got to experience today, you showed me today. The Rift Track short. Yeah, uh, well, I thought it was the Mads, or no, was that, 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 No, that was a Rift Track short. Oh. We looked at some other <laughs> stuff from the Mads are back, for those wondering. Right, so this was... What Courtesy, a good example. Oh, gosh. You see, I didn't even pay attention to the tile. Oh, <laughs> man, they really laid into those puns. Yeah. Um, but it ends with the, <laughs> the non-courteous egg, um, Benedict. Yeah. Oh, gosh, so now I just realized, well, maybe they were trying to be clever besides the egg joke and associated with Benedict Arnold. Uh, falling off a slide and cracking himself. <laughs> and I'm sorry, it's comedy gold when we're like, oh, he's got massive trauma, head trauma. <laughs> and having our um, riffers doing stereotypical Down syndrome <laughs> jokes ends up working. Like, but it's kind of disturbing. It's that, you know what? All we need is the right circumstances. And well, it's the one truth. Well, one of my favorite opening jokes in riff tracks isn't so offensive, but or as offensive, mm. but it's the one. Walking to school made mandatory viewing after the fat kid got, got run over by the ice cream truck. <laughs> yes, I'm just saying, like, it... it if it writes itself, write it, it, just say it, I guess. So, again, Riff Track saves the day. Um, well, it's kind of, well, that kind of joke's more the attitude of the classic Onion headline. Cool toy gets recalled because of three dead kids. <laughs> well, that reminds me, because I did talk about it with uh, JD um, from JDHD series on YouTube about my time at the McDonald's. National Customer Service line, and how uh, we didn't recall any of the flaming, I should say smoldering, Simon the Chipmunk Chipwrecked toys. I kept bringing it up to the customer. 
Did anybody get hurt? Oh no, we just want a replacement toy. Alright, uh, please hold one moment. Okay, um, sir, I uh, just got a call about uh, another call about a flaming Simon from Alvin and the Chipmunks toy. Did anybody get hurt? No. Then just send them a new toy. Does this have anything to do with those little rollerblade Barbies that had the sparks that came out of the wheels? <laughs> well, I guess that was a gasoline issue, I thought, too, that led to that. Well, anything that could be potentially sparking, like, you know, hairspray or lacquered surfaces. Right, something flammable. Yeah. But, you know, no, I guess, guess it, I don't know. The, the promotion was done by the time I got out of there, so anything that happened afterwards, I mean... <sighs> Look, I did my best to protect the children. Somebody thought about the children, and I got paid less than that to do so so thanks for bringing it back down <laughs> so um so let's see then so you're not excited about anything new do you have a 90 minute suggestion perchance uh, I would think that if you do have Criterion Channel the I haven't had any outright disappointments well, major disappointments some of them are only you know, good, not great, out of the films they're featuring on Art House Animation right now. And a lot of them are 90 minutes or less. Okay. So, um, as you said, maybe some uh, disappointments because it might not be great, but you can always count on the Criterion Collection for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will have to say, though, I do need to check out um, Carnival of Souls, the Criterion take on that, because I... I mean, I can see where it's a classic, but I can also see why I paid $14 to watch um, Mike, Kevin, and It's a film Bill. that's well-suited for a riff tracks because it is very quiet, and okay. you can have... It's a very quiet film. No, very true. Yeah. Um, and what can be eerie can just as easily be warped into an alternative narrative. I've always liked how Drew McQueen said that when something like MST3K is at its best, it basically creates an alternative narrative for the movie. Oh. And with Carnival of Souls, that's a movie that lends itself very well to that because it's very spare, quite very... It's a Z-budget movie. Right. It was this tiny independent thing. Yeah. So it does almost play more like a art house film than a traditional horror film mm -hmm. of that period. Okay. So... It's, so it's well made enough to be interesting, but at the same time, you can do stuff with it. So that's kind of, um, like, I think uh, we kind of just discovering MST3K, say, 97 or so. Well, it's, I knew about it you, before 1996, it, yeah. but yeah, that 1996 was the year that Rhino started doing the video releases. Okay, well... I was saying 97 because I remember we were in uh, Buffalo, New York for Grandma and Grandpa's uh, 50th anniversary. Uh, that was when we were able to see some of the more recent episodes. Yes, but what I was bringing up is the fact that we were in a hotel room just waiting to go and do something in Buffalo and uh, Independence Day came on. <laughs> right, 97. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that was like... By that point, we knew enough about... We, we knew well enough how a good riff worked that yeah. we could start adding our own jokes. Right, so we could totally rewrite the narrative. Yeah. I mean, which is the beauty of riff tracks when you get a major title. I mean, there are yeah. there are questionable crap. Go see Superman, Batman v Superman, Donald Justice, the entire three and a half hour <laughs> cut. It is worth it. Um, but you definitely have Jurassic Park would definitely be something easily laid yeah. out for Independence Day. Yeah. Basically anything that was... That that really tells you how to, we need to worry about cinema if any kind of blockbuster could be rewritten. Or we need to reboot the Muppet Babies properly to, to set things right. What? What problem? 
do you have with how they decided to just do a more traditional show for Muppet Babies? Something a little more feasible now. It's not bad. I'm not going to... But it's not what I grew up with. I want my nieces and my nephew to be as meta as possible. And I don't think... We have too much meta as it is. Well, I'm still disappointed at Disney for taking out poop jokes from Bluey cartoons. They haven't taken any. Aww. Yeah, I didn't no, know they, they, they were, censored any of the Yeah, no, they were, uh, they were, uh, it's, um, it was a Watch Mojo video, what you can't see, and so obviously you get stuff like, you can't say don't Smack. with the babysitter if you're watching Adventures in Babysitting. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course they put a bottom on Daryl Hannah. Right. Um, no, uh, so it was a bluey... I guess they go to a county fair or whatever, and like he, Bluey, oh, you're a good pony. <laughs> and Disney, they just do a fart sound. Uh-huh. The original, no. You get to see what comes out the bat. <laughs> Woo! And freaking out kids. Because. <laughs> are Bluey, is Bluey a dingo or is it just a dog? It's a blue healer puppy. Oh. In fact, there are, one of their friends is a dingo. They, oh, so their friends are other breeds of dogs. Oh, okay. They've got a sausage dog, as they like to call them. The Pomeranian. Oh, that's all not sorts. Dog, but... <laughs> uh, no, uh, Bluey is a blue healer. Oh, okay. That's a, I think that's a specifically Aussie breed. Ah, oi, oi, oi. So, so okay, so... Um... <laughs> Check out the Criterion channel. She did also recommend Class Action Parts. That's on HBO Max. That's okay. Um, I really don't watch enough Hulu and like... I, I'm having too much trouble with Hulu. They seem to have real... I would be wa- trying to watch like Star Trek 2 in the afternoon and not being able to get anywhere past 20 minutes in. Huh. Yeah, I gave up. I don't... Hmm. I, I got, I've got too many other services that run pretty smoothly. Okay, I didn't know Hulu was running bad. Uh, they I had just, been. I well, Hulu for me, like um, that's usually what I would watch when I'd catch up with Seth Meyers as at work during lunch, and then like, okay, why hasn't the new Seth Meyers been loaded? And then, well, I mean, I get my internet through Comcast, so I can just watch it on Peacock. So, um, I don't know what to do with Hulu, honestly. Like, oh, Adult Swim stuff. No, I've, I've figured out how to get that. Um, huh. I mean, there are some original movies on who that seem interesting enough, but I really, uh, I don't know. It's like Hulu still, until Hulu becomes Touchstone, I think it's kind of missing the point, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, no, I want all my X-Men movies here. I want all my R-rated touchstone stuff here. I think we're to that point with streaming. is like, we like our brands. But again, that's the problem. The brand worship issue is too limiting. Look, until CBS gives me a good talking duck, I will serve my Disney and Warner Masters. I don't know. I think that's a good place to end. <laughs> I think that's a good theory. Yeah. Only one wrap up here. That's uh, fine. Oh, no. Well, thank you very much, though. So, you are on Letterbox. That's your primary social media at yeah. the Poetic Critic. That's the Poetic Critic. Uh, you can find me on Letterbox. CM Darth. Uh, Twitter at CatBusRust, as they say. Give me all your grief there. Give me all the five-star reviews elsewhere. And, I mean, it's an understanding, you know, I would give about any podcast a chance. Um, just got to come up to me. So if you want to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to send me a direct message at CatBusRust. That's C-A-T-B-U-S-R-U-S-S. Or send me an email to RustTheBus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. 
just give me a theme, a movie, an actor, a director. As long as you keep it under 100 minutes, I think we can come up with some podcast gold. Uh, and I did suggest it on my blog this week when uh, writing up a synopsis for my The Suicide Squad versus Vampires episode. Um, let's find some movies and try to figure out how to cut cut them down to 90 minutes or so. As I say, Suicide Squad, really good movie. But, hey, um, and again, it just feels blasphemous for a guy who has a Harley Quinn-inspired tattoo, but yeah, we could have cut her out. <laughs> so, uh, anything else to add, Gerard? Uh, not today. All right, well, thank you again for um, turning... It just doesn't work as well, the old adage of turning chicken shit into chicken salad when we were talking about eggs. Um, that's how you turn... Um, old hard-boiled eggs into uh, mayo, I guess, and we end up with, um, what's that salad that uses mayo? It's not a, a cob salad. There we go. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really, so, yeah, it doesn't sound appetizing, does it? Okay. Well, thanks again for listening, and, uh, Thanks for dealing with the uh, new podcast setup. This might just be a one-off. Um, I imagine once we take this on the road for Wizard World and C2E2, it might be a different story. Thank you again, and let me try a weird noise. Yeah, jazz horn wasn't that great. All right, there's the applause I needed. Thank you. Can I hear a wahoo?